very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room. In this very you to take a moment and notice your breathing. Feel that next breath that goes in and out. Bring your awareness to that. In your mind's eye, see your heart. That beautiful heart that beats, sustains us constantly there. So reliable, despite at times what we have asked it to do or put it through. And let us relax our heart. Let's give it a moment of unconditional love and blessing. And as we relax the heart, we can feel our shoulders relaxing, our lungs expanding slightly. A peace and a tranquility that is triggered and supported and activated by our physical body temple. That we have taken this form uniquely and powerfully. The Dalai Lama said that to be born in this incarnation is a miracle unto itself. Let us celebrate the miracle that is you and I this day. Let us stand together in that knowing in this relaxed state of grace and poise and beauty. Inviting the presence. As Yogananda used to say at the beginning of each meditation, reveal thyself. On behalf of each person here and myself, I extend that invitation to reveal thyself, that it permeates my being in this moment as I make myself more available and mindful of its presence, this Father, Mother, God, this vibration of the Most High. And so I know standing in that, recognizing that, and, and honoring in the grace and the beauty and the joy of my oneness with that, not for, just for myself, but for everyone. Everything has shifted and changed. The biases and opinions that perhaps I've carried to this point in a way that no longer support me or create an opening for a greater experience of the infinite are dissolved and eradicated and dissipated in the most amazing ways that there's a purification that is going on in this moment that allows you and I to come home beautifully and powerfully. And so this is a day of coming home. This is a moment of coming home. And let us establish together and enter into a covenant and an agreement and a vow that states that with each breath I take, with each moment, with each step, there's a purification that is aiding and assisting in every good way so that my soul's purpose may be clarified, developed, expanded, and brought into the, the beautiful 
form of this world in a powerful way. So I give thanks this day for something amazing and awe-inspiring to be my activity to participate at that deep and amazing level of the Spirit, to open up to this beautiful moment, this eternal moment, the only moment, the now. And for this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. I just love having this choir here singing with me when we're doing it in this very room. It's like, wow, this wave of... We need another choir over here to balance it out. And like, you see how it kind of pushed me that way? It's beautiful. Thank you again, ladies. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Okay. All right, so um, I have a wonderful video I want to share with you. We've been using the book, The Untethered Soul, uh, this month, and actually we're going to continue next month. We're going to push off one of the books that, that uh, we had planned next month, just because this is such an amazing, amazing book by Michael Singer, uh, and such wonderful, beautiful spiritual practices in it. And despite what the title was that we announced today, uh, it's actually, the, the title is Pain, the Price of Freedom. Unconditional Living will be next month, but just to let you know that sometimes that happens as I'm preparing. And I realized I couldn't do justice to both today, and I wanted to really flesh this out with you because I think it's such a cornerstone for so many of us. Many of us have had painful experiences in our lives. There's like the first service, there was at least half a dozen people that had had pain in their lives. And so I we spoke to them and the rest just watched us have the conversation. It's, it's amazing. But pain is, is such a, uh, a preeminent experience. The, the human experience is one that's painful for people. And, and so how do we look at that? How do we use that in a way that I think can be effective and uh, and productive in terms of our own evolution. And how do we, t- we shift it from a, a, a problem or disturbance into a, 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 a spiritual practice? So I want to share with you a wonderful educator and a brilliant man by the name of Sir Ken Robinson, and I've shown him before. There's a brief snippet of uh, an, a lecture that he gave actually here in Edmonton a couple years ago, and it's about a six-minute segment, but it's, it's amazing his, his insight and awareness is around what's happening, what has happened around education, how we have uh, nurtured certain parts of our, um, our ability to educate and other parts have been somewhat ignored. And so I wanted to start with that as a, a launching point of uh, discussion today. There are legion reports now from every quarter about uh, emotional dysfunction, Daniel Goleman, you know, wrote famously the book Emotional Intelligence. There was a book written actually 1974 by a guy called Robert Witkin, which had a title with the same meaning, but it was expressed differently. He called his book The Intelligence of Feeling. And he begins it by saying, you know, Descartes' thing that you know, I think, therefore I am, uh, which is a contestable argument right there, But Wittgen said, perhaps we would be better saying, I feel, therefore I am. That we are, above all, feeling organisms. We are organic. But he makes a very interesting point at the beginning of the book, uh, which is an obvious enough point, but he says that, and he speaks in a long tradition in saying it, is that we all live in, uh, in two worlds. There is a world that exists, that existed before you existed, and all being well will exist after you have ceased to be. Because in the end, we're not here for long. You know, in, in terms of the history of the planet, the planet is four and a half billion years old. And we've been here for 50,000 years. Apparently, if you were to liken the whole history of the planet, the lifespan of the planet, to a single year, 
human beings appeared on the planet at one second to midnight on the 31st of December. There's a great piece on The Onion recently about save the planet, you know, commenting on everyone saying we should save the planet. And they said, don't worry about it. The planet will be fine. <laughs> we may go <laughs> as a species. The planet may decide to shrug us off and say, we tried humanity, not so good. <laughs> the next planetary conference, don't recommend it. We gave it 50,000 years, it ended in tears. So the planet will continue. But his point was, uh, Robert Witkin, is that there is a world that exists whether or not we exist. Um, it's the outer world of objects and events and physicality and of other people. But he said, there is also a world that exists only because you exist. It's the world that came into being when you did and will end or change according to your beliefs when your physical being ceases to be. Um, it's the world of your private consciousness, of your own being. And whereas we all make attempts to know the outside world, nobody can truthfully know the detail of your inner world. It's the world that Ardy Lang once said, in which there's only really one set of footprints. It's your own inner world of consciousness. Um, well, what we constantly try to do is to bridge these two. We try to relate the one to the other. We try to often to understand ourselves in terms of the other. I think the problems that have arisen in education because of our obsession with a certain type of rationalism is that we spend a great deal of time in education now getting children focused on the external world, giving them data and information about it. And increasing that world is becoming more and more distracting and kaleidoscopic um, and insistent. I'm sure that is one of the contributions to people's lack of attention, uh, the constant flickering of data. But our education systems are remorselessly turned outwards to the outer world. When what kids and all of us desperately need to is time to look inward and to dwell in that inner space where in the end, um, we find the only things that truthfully make sense for us. And education is increasingly poor at giving people techniques to look inward and to understand the relationship between the two. So I think that, um, you know, part of, I think, what we have an opportunity to do is a, is a consciousness-based uh, teaching is to have those conversations because it is done as, as uh, Sir... Ken Robinson says, so poorly within our um, education systems. And it's not a criticism, it's just simply, it's interesting how we can get, we can get um, stuck in a way of being. One of our brilliant, you know, we do a final project in our foundations class, and one of our brilliant students uh, shared their final project a couple weeks ago. And he, is, he talked about a lighthouse, um, and uh, there was a company moving the lighthouse on the east coast of the continent here in North America because the water levels had risen so much and they needed to protect it and get it to higher ground. And so they were talking and it was a program called Massive Moves or something like that. I, I, I've never seen it. but It was a documentary on the lighthouse. And they asked this contractor what the hardest part was moving the lighthouse. And he said, well, it's the first six inches. 
Once you've got the thing up in the air and on the, on the thing that moves it, you can take it anywhere. And I thought, how profound, what a great metaphor for spiritual practice, for transformation. Because we, we all get, we, we have experiences in life that, and then we all do, and it's part of the learning. I mean, it's part of the, the discovery. It's part of the contrast. You know, a lot of Esther Hicks fans here. Esther says, you know, got to have the contrast. You know, I, I, there's going to be light and there's going to be dark. There's going to be things that we feel are evil. There's going to be things that we feel are inspirational. And, and our choice in it is what, what, where do we stand in that? What do we support? Ken, Ken Robinson talks about in this, uh, this beautiful lecture that he does that with, we know now by 2050, there'll be, I think it's 10, 12 billion people on the planet. I mean, we're, we're doing a really good job of procreating. We're really good at that. We got that one down. Um, and Bodhi said is that if we continue to consume, we know now that as we continue to consume um, resources the way we have, uh, if we consume at the level that they do in Rwanda, African country, uh, where things are a little less available, we, ha- we could sustain 15 billion. If we continue to consume at the level that we do in the West, we can su- sustain about 1.5 billion. We're at about seven or eight billion right now. So it's a very interesting uh, thing that we're looking at in the world and, and, and the dynamics of, of what we're involved with. As he said, you know, maybe, maybe the planet will shrug us off, the planet will be fine. You know, we tried you for 50,000 years and thanks for giving it your best. But I really think that it, that our opportunity is, is to understand that consciousness, it's not that we don't want to be in the world of form and linear things and have processes in place and things that allow us to have order in our, in our world, but also that when we, are, when we are not equipped, when we are not educated in the feeling nature of how we live, we're missing a huge component. And it's witnessed by, there's something like this astronomical amount of, of uh, percentage of young men in the United States that are either going into prison, coming out of prison, or are in prison. Um, That the suicide rate amongst young uh, adults measured in the U.S. once again is is phenomenal. It's a a huge amount of people. There's somebody that's sad about it already. So, you know, and and so this whole experience of, um, of despair, when we don't know how to manage our, our um, emotional life, you know, I feel, therefore I am. It's very easy to despair. It's very easy to want to give up and to quit and say, man, this is just too tough. I didn't sign up for this. When in fact, the very thing that we're confronted with, the pain and suffering that are the disturbances, as, as Michael Singer would call them, that is creating this, this disease, the discord within us is actually part of spiritual practice. So how do we shift the perception? Because our challenges, our challenge, what it does is it challenges our need for safety. Do you want to feel safe? I mean, we all want to feel safe. We all want to feel comfort. We all want to feel that we have some control in our lives. The error happens that when the disturbances show up that pull us out of this sense of safety, that pull us out of comfort, that pull us out of this sense of having control, like when everything falls apart, I'm telling you, when people step onto the spiritual path and start to say, you know, I'm ready for a new experience, and the infinite says, okay, you got it. Here's your new experience. It's very uncomfortable. And so if we don't have the conversation, if no one ever talks about it, we feel like something's wrong. You know, I want to do this and I want to have, you know, I want it to be really easy and I want it to be really comfortable and I want it to feel really safe. And, and the, the challenge is how do we do it in a way that we don't completely implode or explode, 
but that we understand this is gonna be uncomfortable. This journey, my teacher used to say over and over to me, because I fought for this in class. When I was, I wanted it now, I wanted it fast, quick, easy, delightful. I'd like, in fact, I'd like to be paid for it. And none of that stuff was available. But she used to say to me, she'd look me in the eye and say, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Oh, make that a way of life. Because it's easy to fall asleep. You know, the, 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 the Buddhists call it the Maya. Actually, the Toltecs call it Maya too. We fall asleep in the dream. This is a dream. We're dreaming it. The, uh, the illusion of life, even though it can be so painful. And a, a wonderful story about the Buddha talking to a mother that lost her son and she's screaming at him for, for days about, he told me it's a dream and this is awful. And he said, yes, it is. And there's no more heartfelt and, and sorrowful dream than the loss of a loved one. You know, it's that perception. So, you know, the question to ask ourselves is when we're in the pain, we're in the suffering, why is my heart responding like this? Why am I feeling this way? Because what we want to do is there's some techniques to that. The first one is what he'll say, Michael Singer will say, we want to hide in acceptance. That, that I'm going to find somebody that can validate me and accept me the way I am, and that will, that will make me feel better. That will relieve some of the discomfort. Or I want to win friends and influence people that if I can win your friendship, and in fact, if I can influence you in some way, then we're in this relationship. But once again, and there's nothing wrong with that, but when it masks or it puts a layer of spiritual bypass or emotional bypass upon the pain, we're not extracting the the core root. We're just simply putting a layer over it. Or when we prove ourselves to others, we'll avoid the pain. I will achieve, I will achieve, I will achieve, I will achieve. And I know this one really well. It was very driven. I was so driven that I left everything and went to California to be a famous actor. In fact, The Goonies was on this week. I'm in it for like 13 and a half seconds. My, one of my sisters sent out an email to all the others in the family and said, hey, he's on TV. Awesome, another check for $2.77 is coming. The Buddha said life is suffering. And he didn't say that to affirm that, but to understand. He, and he watched it. That was his journey. He looked out in the world and he saw deep suffering going on. And he said, how do, we, how do we manage this? And he found it through meditation. He found it through spiritual practice. He, he found it by slowing down. And, 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 and moving into that state of con- deep connection, which is exactly what Michael Singer's talking about. He's just interpreting the Buddhist tradition and what I think Dr. Holmes was talking about as well in, in contemporary language. And what he says is to be able to relax our, practice relaxing our hearts. Can we do that? I can do that. I can relax my heart. I've been doing it all week. Ah, oh, relax my heart. And relaxing our shoulders. That's, 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 a, that's serious serious spiritual practice went to the chiropractor this week he said I can't snap you you're so tight and I said well why is that because we've had this conversation a number of times and he said because it's from standing like this I never stand like this well, I do enough to have a, a knot in the middle of my back, you know, I find myself, so now it's like, oh, my practice is to stand up straight. I can do that. But there, you know, there's a way, sometimes it's just like, oh, I'm feeling, you know, the whole body language, how we hold ourselves. You know, how do, do, do I let my emotions inform me how I will hold myself or do I hold myself in a way that I choose? Oh, I'm sad. 
And, then, and, and what a gift the pain is in the middle of my back. He told me what to do. I got, I got homework from the chiropractor. Can you believe that? I wanted to be instantaneous. This guy, I paid him my 45 bucks. It should be fixed and fixed now. The nerve of him insisting that I change my behavior to feel better. But I mean, that's the arrogance we can fall into. I want it now. I want it instantaneously. So it requires a new perspective to see the world in a new way. As Michael Singer says, imagine ourselves. You know, the Dalai Lama said, our birth is a miracle. And imagine yourself, we're standing on this clump of dirt, we're spinning in the universe with billions of stars, and there's other galaxies that we can't even count, trillions and trillions of stars out there, it's amazing. And we've taken form in this unique pocket of life, this blue and green planet where things are possible in this form. It's amazing to, to shift into that perception. Then do we care what, what, how we look to other people so much? Do we care about how we dress to impress others or what we drive to impress others? Or how we walk or, how we, or the job that we have to impress others? I mentioned last week I have this vintage vehicle and what was happening for me is every time it would snow and, and thaw, I would have a waterfall in my vehicle. And it turned out... I'm not used to this. I don't drive a lot anymore. When I lived in Los Angeles, I drove everywhere. I've driven in 12 years, 13 years in Ed Edmonton. I've driven the exact same mileage I used to drive in LA in one year. So my, my vehicle has sat, sat a lot rather than be on the road. And so the gasket that holds my windshield deteriorated. And then the windshield slid down. I've never had this experience before. But I, I got water coming in. And I'm like, hey, it's raining inside my truck. This is a miracle. I should call National Enquirer and let them know I could sell the article. Start to, we put that in our building fund. But I reached up one day and I could actually reach my hand through the windshield and feel the air outside. I thought, this is amazing. And then I, and I drove like that for about three weeks. And then I thought, you know, this is probably dangerous. <laughs> Finally occurred to me. I like to tell you I'm very intuitive, but it took about three weeks. This is probably dangerous. And then Laura drove it one day because she had to, she says, get rid of that piece of junk. <sighs> it's not a piece of junk. It's a vintage vehicle. <laughs> anyway, I went down and got a new windshield put in. And I was so happy they were there to do that for me. And the guy, the guy confirmed how dangerous that was to drive like that. So if you can reach up through your windshield, I'm just telling you, as a safety precaution, it means you need a new windshield. But freedom is to learn, awareness. Pain, as he identifies, pain is simply a shift in our energy flow. But so many of us have fallen asleep in the pain and pain has become a way of life. I mean, there are people that suffer and suffer and suffer. So I'm not saying this is easy because how do we pull somebody back from that? that's had their heart broken and the loss of loved ones and lost jobs and disappointment and the, you know the bills, you think you got the bills paid and another one shows up. Ah, ah, it's God punishing me again. No, it's maybe just you spending too much money on that credit card. You know, I mean, it's just very interesting the, the way we, we do life. But how do we pull ourselves back from that? So it's a pain is simply an indicator. It's a loving indicator. Just like we have a gas gauge on our vehicle that tells us when we're getting low, I mean, how many of us would put duct tape over that because we don't want to see it anymore because it's punishing us because it means we have to go spend money on gas. I don't want to look at that anymore. It's too painful. Until we're on the side of the road. We're halfway to Red Deer. 
without a gas can. So to truly live, we cannot live in the avoidance of pain. So I think it's so important for us to, to make the agreement, because we didn't get this. I didn't get this in school. They, just, they used pain to influence my behavior. I was very active. I wanted to entertain. I was, and they always, it's very hard, as I've said over and over, to entertain the entire class from the back of the room. Because the visual cues don't work back there. You have to use a lot more verbal stuff. So they, you draw their attention back to you from the teacher, and they don't like that. Pain is just a thing in the universe. And understanding it, it is a temporary experience. So when it shows up to have the awareness, to have the awareness to, to, to realize, wow, I've got anxiety going. What's going on here? And to look at it and say, man, and, and, and you know what? I know this is going to pass. And it may take a few days. It might take a few weeks. But, but, but when we close on it, when we try and push it away, we close down. And then what we do is we hang on to it. That's the paradox of it. Oh, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to close down. Because when, I'm, when I close down, I'm safe. And we think we're safe when, in fact, really all we're doing is hanging on to it and then it continues to grow and expand. Wise people do not remain a slave to the fear of pain. So we get a choice to decide if we're going to be wise people or not. What it is is this energy passing through the heart. So where do I start with that? Where do I start the practice that allows me to bring awareness to this, this experience that I in the past have called pain and disturbance? It's the practice when we're not in pain, perhaps relaxing our heart and relaxing our shoulders. Stepping back, as Michael Singer says, and letting it pass. But as soon as I say, I don't want to feel this, and this, I felt this before, and I don't want to have this experience again, and I'm going to shut down, we just create more of it, and we carry it and carry it and carry it. I mean, could it be that we, are, that we, are, we all showed up here to, to, to tempt one another not to love us in so many ways? There's so many people out there that I look out in the world and it's just like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? They're doing this now? And so then my, my, and I may not be able to influence that, but what I can do is I can look at it and realize, you know what? I mean, a great teacher, for, teacher from Nazareth, we're going to celebrate his, his uh, resurrection next week, he used to say, be in the world but not of the world. Because he understood. He lived in such a close relationship with the divine presence within his life. And I think that is... You know, as, as he said, and so many have gone before us, that is, that's our opportunity. And I don't know if I'll ever get there. I don't know if I'm never not going to be triggered. But I do know that if I, I'm at least going to try to do better with what's before me. Because otherwise I'm just feeding more of the fear and lack and limitation and the struggle. So then I can open my mind when we relax, our minds can work. And the thinking, and so what looks like lack of resources coming down the road... I believe the genius and the infinite divine intelligence that is, is guiding and directing and inspiring each and every one of us will be part of the answers that'll show up, that'll bubble up, or the solutions. Or maybe we have, we've, 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 done, we've fulfilled our, our purpose here, and it's time to move on to something else, because life's a continuum. And I'm not saying, let's, but let's take care of what we have. I think that's good stewardship. But to, to at least invite a new level of thinking... Because it's, when we're stuck in these things, we can't think because we're in pain. And then that part of our brain that's creative just shuts down. To be free, you have to, we have to stop fighting human feelings. To stop fighting our feelings and realize, wow, I'm having this experience. And this is intense because this is a big trauma. You know, they have a measurement of traumas, losing a loved one, going through a divorce, selling a home, buying a home, all those things that, that create uh, uncertainty. They're uncomfortable. 
But when we understand that and we're going through trauma, it's like, I might need to go sit down with somebody and have a conversation about this. It doesn't mean we have to hold it all. It's just to find the healthy patterns and the, and the healthy practices that allow us to process. So we free the energy. People come in all the time and I let them talk and talk and talk for the first 20, 30 minutes. Because what we're doing is we're lifting it. I'm, st- I'm, I'm standing and I'm creating a, a container of love and, and consciousness to be able to witness and watch them lift it up. Because when we share it with someone that's not judging it or pointing fingers at us or telling, well, there's something wrong with you, but to just go, wow, look at that. Look at that experience you're having. You're having it. So you, are you ready to declare victory that you've learned everything you possibly need to learn from struggle? or from fear, or from lack, or limitation. I mean, that is a powerful ritual. So go home, everybody have a mirror here? I'll, borrow, I'll loan you a mirror if you need one. Go home and look in your mirror and just look yourself in the eye and say, you have learned everything you need to learn from struggle. Raise your hands, celebrate, rite of passage, done. Now struggle will show up again, because struggle's a pattern. Just because you do it one time doesn't mean it's over. So it requires, you know, Jesus said, do 70 times 7. It means a lot of times. A lot of times. I'm all done with this. And the next day you get up and there it is again. I find as I'm teaching this stuff, it's right in my face. I'm just going to come in and read children's storybooks for about six weeks just to get a little break on my own <laughs> spiritual evolution. I'm like, Jesus, I just talked about that. Hmm. But it's, and that's life. It's just life. We're having this conversation. It's a beautiful thing. Keep relaxing our hearts. Keep relaxing our shoulders. That's, that's spiritual practice. For me, it's also standing up straight. And seeing it as energy and letting it go. You and my true greatness hides on the other side of that pain. On the other side of this pain, see, it's the, it's the two poles, is that, is that joy and peace, possibility, love. That's what Jesus was teaching and living. That's what the Buddha was talking about. All the great avatars. There are people on the planet right now that are living that and modeling it. And we can move in that direction and at least head in that direction rather than continue to, to battle with life and it's a struggle and it's pain and suffering, it's like, man, this pain shows up in my life. I remember when this used to spin me out for weeks. Here it is again, I'm breathing through it and I'm relaxing my heart and I know it is, it, it's, it's on its way out. What a powerful thing. And I know I'm bringing the right people into my experience that are helping me move it, move it through. And then we're an asset to wherever we are. Then we're, then we're contributing to the answer, not the problem. Because there there's, there's the majority of people out in the world live in fear and pain all the time. And you and I get to choose whether we're going to do that now or, and support them. And eventually what happens, as Michael Singer says, you will understand there's an ocean of love behind all this fear and pain on the other side. Many times when we start to work with it, and this has been a very, very, I'm very kinesthetic. I feel things physically. You'll feel heat. It's the body and the soul's way of burning off the energy. So when you get, you, sometimes when you're in that, that, the heat of the moment, they'll say, you know, you're in that, that's that, that mechanism within us that knows the purification because it is so unlike who and what we are. I mean, we are hardwired for peace and love and joy. But many times we just hang on to the pain and we don't manage it well and then we spin into it and it becomes our, our story. 
And, then, and man, there are painful stories. I get it. There's tragedies and things that happen. But to have this, the conversation and to have some tools in place and to have the mentoring around us and people that have gone before us to say, this does not have to be the story for the rest of your life. This is part of what has informed you so that you can experience contrast. So that when you come out of this, there's an even greater sense of joy and opportunity. Eventually, you and I will develop an intensely personal relationship with this beautiful inner force that will replace the pain and the disturbance. And I, I believe that's true. I believe that what's happening on this planet right now, and, and we are, we, we've taken life, we've taken form at this point in time to give birth to this. To stand together in this, shoulder to shoulder, do the best we can. And understand, this too shall not move me. But to, to, to be able to look at the, the world and when, when suffering and loss and, and disappointment comes, we can feel it fully. We can be fully present with the experience. We can mourn deeply and, and bring completion to that. You know, one of the powerful practices I have in my life for, for my dad, especially my dad passed away in uh, 2008, but I pray for him every day for the evolution of his soul. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful thing to be able to pour energy into that to help bring more healing to that relationship. Because I want that for him. He plowed the ground for me with opportunities and he modeled things for me that allowed me as I became a parent to decide whether I wanted to perpetuate his style of parenting or not. Because he gave me everything he had. And if he knew better, he would have done better. But my gift back to him is the grace and the understanding and all of the life energy that he put forth so that not only me, but 10 of my brothers and sisters could have life. And so, you know, I want for him, I want the, what I want for me, freedom. I want to live in freedom. So freedom is to learn that pain is a shift in our energy flow. It, to truly live, we cannot live in avoidance of pain. Pain is just a thing in the universe and understanding that it's a temporary experience. So let you and I pray this in right now. Let you and I relax our hearts, relax our shoulders, and, and, and take this vow and intention with me. I recognize the presence of spirit here and now. Everything is lifted up. There's a, there's a vibration of the most high like never before right here. I smell it. I sense it. I feel it. And as I ground myself in this beautiful heart, in this beautiful energy, I know that I remind myself consistently to just simply relax my heart, to re- relax my shoulders, to stand tall, to lean back where I'm triggered or connected in a way that creates the disturbance and the pain. And I have the discernment and the knowing that if there's something that comes along that I am triggered by and it is mine to pick up and carry or take a stand, I have the discernment and knowing about that as well. So I live in this infinite wisdom, but I am no longer at mercy of, at the mercy of every thought and every feeling that comes by. I direct this infinite intelligence to guide me and direct me into deep, powerful wisdom, love, and understanding. So my gifts and everyone else's gifts can be supported and called forth in a larger and more beautiful way. For this I give thanks, and together we say, and so it is. Beautiful, beautiful.